My next guest is a renowned author, speaker, and success and addictions coach who specializes in letting go. He founded Golden Mastermind Seminars in 1998, and since then he has coached over 17,000 clients one-on-one, which adds up to a little over 70,000 hours of coaching. His areas of expertise include marketing, sales, free enterprise, substance abuse, codependency, dysfunctional families, low self-esteem, anxiety, anger, and debt. He has published five books, two of which have been bestsellers. He has also delivered over a thousand keynote speeches, and he's been featured in Fox, ABC, CBS, Lifetime, as well as many other media publications, magazines, and radio stations. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I give you Jeffrey Combs. And welcome to Biding My Time, the podcast where nothing is off limits except free speech. Get ready to second guess, well, your entire life. Your host, Chris McNelly, along with expert guests from around the world, dig deep into life's most important questions, explore its vast mysteries, and rip apart the mainstream narratives. Red pill, blue pill, down the rabbit hole we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Biding My Time. I am your host, Chris McNelly, and today I have the honor and the privilege of speaking with Jeffrey Combs. Jeff, how are you, sir? I am outstanding, Chris. It is my absolute privilege and pleasure to be here with you today. I really appreciate that. Now, Jeffrey, we've gotten to know each other, each other over the last year, and it has been edifying and constructive, and one of the... Uh, more encouraging relationships I've had in life. That being said, can you give the audience a little bit of background on your own story of what you've overcome and persevered through in life? I'd be honored to do that. And thank you. I am a recovering addict, alcoholic. I'm a Midwestern boy who grew up in a small town in the Midwest on the outside of Omaha on the Iowa side. I was a very skilled athlete, a relatively good student with aspirations to be a college athlete, but my addictions derailed that. And by the time I was 18 years old, my freshman year of college, I was a drug addict, alcoholic, drug dealer, and well on my way to rock bottom. However, I was still managing to barely hold on. I did graduate from college. I played two years of college basketball and and became such an addict that I couldn't couldn't function my third year. I spent the next 14 years of my life, or I spent 14 years of my life from 18 to 31 as a, as I said, alcoholic, addict, drug dealer, and then hit rock bottom for the first time in Los Angeles, California, where I was arrested as a drug dealer. And that really began another two-year odyssey that still wasn't the end of my addictions. My addiction cycled out it in December 18th, 1988. I hit the last rock bottom and I haven't had a drink since. That was 34 years ago. And from that day forward, I committed to being my best self. I knew that I, God had given me a second chance. I had aspirations to be a millionaire. I had had those dreams as a small child. I had moved to Los Angeles. I was living in California. And I, I, was, I knew that I had it within me, but I didn't know how I had it in me. So that really became the journey that led me to where I am today. For the, I spent eight years building businesses and going up the down staircase of direct sales, network marketing, businesses from my home that never really saw the success that I was seeking 
And I had promised myself by 40 years old, I was going to be a millionaire. And at 39, I turned the corner. I hmm. answered an ad in the USA Today. I found another direct sales business. And the next 28 months, I achieved almost $2 million. And that, now in context, I start in 1996, $100,000 in credit card debt. And I finish 1997 with a gross income of 500000 from a little bedroom bedroom office in an apartment in Stockton, California that I'm renting for $600 at the time. So that really brought me into the, brought me into the, the consciousness that I was seeking. I've been studying for, from the time I got sober, I went to 12 step meetings. I was reading books by the hundreds. I'm a speed reader, a skimmer. I read just countless books. Stuart Wilde became my favorite, Florence Scovel Shin. I read a lot of the great classics of, of early spirituality, early personal development, self-improvement, Orson Marsden Sweat. I read a lot of the content from the turn of the century on the skills of attraction, quantum physics, mm. synchronicity, synchro destiny, the skill of attraction. And I had that, that quantum leap where the whole becomes greater than the sum of its parts in 1997. And then after two years, I launched my speaking career, Golden Mastermind Seminars Incorporated, my speaking coaching career. So in the last 24, going on 25 years, I've coached 17,000 clients one-on-one, 70,000 hours one-on-one, 1,040 keynotes, 2 million miles on United. I've spoken in four continents, 47 states. I mean, I am actually living my dream that I designed. And none of it came from my parents, my college, no mentor, no, no one to hold my hand. The only hand I had was someone, a few people gave me a hand up and there were no handouts on my journey. That's powerful. Thank you so much for sharing the, the depths of that. You've really gone from, uh, it sounds like in your own words, rock bottom. And then you had that eight year stint that you said, um, what was that like in process from hitting rock bottom to then truly stepping into alignment? A lot of gratitude, first of all. So my journey has been filled with, with gratitude, not greatness. I never focus on mm. being great. I focus on being my best. Being great and being the best is overrated. So I focus on, I'm a fundamental person. So I focus on the fundamentals. I became an exceptional sales professional, a closer, a team builder, and nothing was overnight for me. I went through went through several business failures that were really business experiences and I never quit. I had to get a job on two different occasions. I waited tables twice. Now this is in the mid thirties. I'm waiting tables. I went back and got a sales job twice, a commission sales job. I sold wholesale food. I had a restaurant background. I barely got by, but I never stopped building businesses. Part I never lost sight of the dream. So there were a lot of small apartments. Smallest apartment I lived in was a 400 square foot apartment. The smallest room I lived in was a 200 square foot room with a bathroom in Washington, D.C. to build a business. And I mean, I, I, I paid the price. I stayed in it. I stayed in the process until I was able to master what it was required to build a residual business. Now, it was not once again, it's not an, for me, it wasn't an overnight success. I mean, eight years was a long overnight, but it was worth it because I learned the discipline the repetition, the experience. I stopped chasing rainbows and shiny objects. I, I started to address my, my codependence issues, 
that I had of rescuing people, enabling, over obligating, doing more for mm. others and doing it for myself so I could be disappointed and frustrated. So there, there was a lot of, of learning in that process. And there's still, I'm 60, I just turned 66. And it's, it's like, it's like you never really heal and you never really get sober. You stay sober one day at a mm. time. And you, that it's that, it's that respect for, for the, uh, for, for Satan and the other, that the dark side that keeps me on the edge of being on the light side. I love that. Can you go a little deeper into something you just hit on for the audience in regards to your codependency to past negative emotions, relationships, or the addictions uh, with those? Well, one of the one of the situations that was a real missing link for me in personal development and self improvement is I started to study the brain. Now, the standard self improvement books typically in the '90s didn't have that content, but I was able to find pieces of it. And then in the early 2000, I found John Asaraf. I start, I met him and he started to speak at seminars for me. So I started to really understand the addicted brain. He was the, he was the window to me. I shared a, I did an event with Jim Rohn in 2000 and a woman named Sherry Carr said, there's this, here's the, here's the setup. I did an event with Jim Rohn with 65 people, if you can believe this. Now you've lived in Los Angeles. So, you know, you know, Century Boulevard, that ends up right at La Cienega, right at the airport, right? Yeah. Well, there's a hotel right there on that corner. It changed hands many times. In October, September 20th, September 30th, 2000, I did an event with Jim Rohn with 65 people. But Jim Rohn wasn't the most important person in the room was. A woman named Sherry Carr was because she introduced me to John Asaraf. Asaraf put me on the trail to where I met Joe Dispenza in 2006. Then I started booking those guys to speak at events for me. Now imagine Asaraf and Dispenza speaking at events for me in Los Angeles back in Dispenza isn't even famous then. He just done the movie with the bleep. So I started to understand the addicted brain and how the body runs the brain. And I started to understand what brain fog means. I started to understand why we do what we do. There's a cause that creates the effect. And I've been studying Louise Hay for a long time since the eighties where no longer the mind-body connection, the events that shape the feelings, but codependency is a, it's an addiction that we become addicted to. We become enablers. And what we hmm. tend to do is we lose our innocence as a child. We take care of a parent. We become the parent to a parent. We grow up with narcissists. We grow up with parents who, who don't love us. And they actually, some parents are actually fearful of us because we might, out exceed their expectations or whatever their story is. Then we also have to sometimes, if we grow up, if we're an adult child of a narcissist or an adult child of alcoholics, then we become codependent. So we become caretakers. And so like mm. me, I'm a productive codependent. That's the contradiction. I can produce while rescuing other people and then try and outproduce my problems to exhaust myself to be disappointed. That was the eight year process I was going through until it started to and started to, I started to grasp that, but that still wasn't the end of it because I kept it. I still, I was in my business relationships. I improved but my intimate relationships. I was still addicted to rescuing weak women and people that, that I would take under my wing so they could disappoint me. And it wasn't until later in my life that I started to really understand the depths of what codependency means. It means enable over obligate 
do more for others than you do for yourself with an expectation that the other people can't fulfill. So that fulfills the payoff of being disappointed. Wow. Let me ask you this, Jeffrey, how and what did you do once you recognized these codependencies? What were those first steps in overcoming them in retraining yourself in becoming more whole? Uh, what does that look like for someone else who's out there that's uh, looking for those same answers? Well, for me, now I was already a coach. I mean, I was a top tier coach at this time. I'm making $3 million a year at the point. I was at the peak of my career, not really understanding how codependent I was in my personal relationships. So what it looked like for me was a commitment. It looked for me, it was realizing this was the next level of my addiction. So it was alcohol, drugs, and compulsive, compulsive money habits, rescuing people. And then when I started to understand what codependence was, then I started to read Melody Beatty's book. Now, I grew up in the 12-step programs in the 80s. It took me eight years to, to really grasp what the 12-step program was. I kept getting sent there, court-ordered, and I'd go there and go across the street and have a drink. And we'd go, these people are crazy. I'm, these people are Christians. I'm not like them. I'm an atheist. I'm agnostic. You know, I'm too cool for their school. But what it looked like for me was the next level of humility to realize hmm. and accept that no matter how much money I have or how successful or how many people I've coached or how many stages that I've shared and what I mean, codependency is the next addiction that I address. So in 2009, I started attending Al-Anon and Coda. I bought the book Codependent No More. I'm on the second version of it. And I started really buying into Mel Melody Beatty's philosophy. And then I started reading Gavin Hawkins later. And that really that was really the next level for me to understand what codependency really is. It's enabling over obligating, doing more for others with expectations they can't fulfill to fulfill our disappointment. That's deep. What well, is so, a deep subject? I mean, it takes, it it takes is. committed people to, I mean, it's like once you, once you have the courage to address an addiction, that's just the beginning because it, you're going to have multiple addictions. It's not, see, people think the word addiction, they think, oh, he's a heroin addict or he's an alcoholic. No, it's like you're emotionally addicted to a set of feelings based on unresolved issues from the trauma bonds that you grow up in. So if you grow up an adult child of an alcoholic, an adult child of a narcissist, well, that's most of society. And then you're in this story, I had a great childhood, that means you're in denial. But what happens to to us is we're addicted to fight or flight. That's the addiction. So fight or flight is the reflex. We're addicted to this reflex. And so those emotions are anger, hate, resentment, disappointment, frustration, guilt, shame, abandonment, rejection, overwhelmed feelings, grief, apathy, and pride. Now that that's where the that's the, that's the basement of your addiction, because that what keeps you from accomplishing situations on your own. Now many people can be directed in a job, but self-direction is a direct connection to self-esteem. So hmm. many people correlate self. With, oh, that's selfish. No, it's not. You, you deserve to be compensated for your value and the value ladder. But if you don't, if you don't believe you're good enough, then your value ladder is down here in the basement. And if you're going to, if you're going to scale consciousness, it's a quality called courage that you access. Courage is not an emotion, just like doubt's not an emotion. Doubt is a, is a feeling that keeps many people safe because doubt's where they hang out. So doubt hmm. keeps their foot on the dock and their foot on the boat. Then they can procrastinate. I wrote a best-selling book in 2010 called The Procrastination Cure. It's published in four languages. It's interesting. I don't get any money for it. It's, and 
I mean, it was a minor bestseller. I mean, I get, I get royalties for about 800 bucks a year from it because I was never really willing to next level that book, but the content in it is, is really good because it breaks down what procrastination means. It means to avoid in Latin procrastinari to avoid. And that's what many people become. They're chronic avoiders. They avoid healthy relationships. They avoid a personal relationship with God. They avoid success. They avoid, most importantly, they avoid intimacy because intimacy is like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. People are going to find out that I'm not good enough. So I have to find these dysfunctional relationships to fulfill my disappointment. And so anyone that hires me to be a coach, I'm in another level. I'm not, I'm not the $10,000, $20,000 coach. I mean, I've been coaching for my rates are, my rates are what they've been. But if you hire me to be your coach, what I will do is I'll take you down to the basement because you have to unpack those feelings. So if you if you just if you're just up here in the top, you're up here in the you're up here in the living room and you're wanting to live this great life, but you don't address why you do what you do. Well, your body will run your brain. You'll stay in brain fog and then you'll avoid your own success, exhausting your credit, exhausting yourself, not really understanding why you do what you do. And then you'll bounce from business to business and relationship and job and just shining, chasing the shiny, shiny object that is never really that shiny. What's the phrase that you have said before, Jeff, uh, that most people will go to their graves safely? Oh, it's a pain of regret. So regret is most people will tiptoe quietly through life and they'll arrive at their grave safely, hmm. living the greatest pain, the pain of regret. I mean, I coach people on it every day. Here's how, here's how they voice it. I'm not where I should be. Well, look at your feet, chief. I mean, you're right there, baby. <laughs> I mean, I mean, where should you be? Should you be, I mean, you should be what? In a, where should you be? I mean, you're there because of your decisions. You're there because of your choices. You're there because of your self-esteem. If you want to transcend consciousness, well, that that that's a whole nother skill that most people aren't willing to do because they want to read a book. I read your book. is And, and so many of my coaching classes go, well, I read that book. I go, well, great. Did you apply it? I mean, what have you actually done with the content? Can Can you memorize the content? Can you tell me? that on page 142 of the book, Letting Go, that there's a section called humility. And that section mm. says the truly humble cannot be humiliated. I mean, can you read that? Can you recite that? See, until you really apply the content, it's just wisdom. And wisdom, is not, wisdom isn't applicable until it's moved into a place of repetition and experience. So people go, I'm doing the breathing. I go, well, great. That's awesome. But are you doing it every day? Are you separating your feelings from the events? See, this is what this is what hinders people. They want something they can wrap their hands around. Well, letting go is in the etheric. Letting go is not physical; it's emotional. You can't letting go isn't you don't you 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 can't you can't put this jacket this let go jacket on and, and absorb it. It's a practice skill every single day. It's the most important skill you'll ever master because you take it everywhere with you. When you're losing it in the airport because you're forced to wear a mask or do something that you know isn't what you should be doing, well, you're, that's because you're not letting go. You're not surrendering to the situation. Or when you when you want to when you want to take someone out because you're angry, well, that's understandable. You but you you acknowledge that anger and you breathe into it and you let it go. Or when you feel violated because someone doesn't recognize you, well, that's that's what you let go of on command. You accept the feeling. 
there's a there's a there's a mechanism to letting go. It's not suppressing the feeling or repressing the feeling. It's accepting the feeling. So you accept it, but you, it, it, you have to get out of your left brain. You can't let go in your egoic analytical mind. You have to be able to let go in your right brain. That's your intuitive. You have to you have to tap into your extrasensory perception. You have to be able to understand letting go. You begin to live letting go. You you you. You receive letting go. It's a skill set. And once you start to master it, it's everywhere. And then then as this happens, you'll see the miracles in process. You'll see the parking space in front of the restaurant. You get upgraded to the seat. You don't get upgraded Hmm. to these seats. You don't find the restaurant because you're too busy being overwhelmed. You can't you you cannot let go of what you're in denial in in denial of. It's just not humanly possible. So I, I. when someone says, I read that book, I've read thousands of books, but well, if you're financially challenged and you're 60 years old, there's obviously your dialogue with asking, deserving, and receiving. You haven't let go of the trauma mm-hmm. bonds and the dialogue with money that you grew up in that keeps you in a lack. I just had a guy just call me just, just like 10 minutes ago. I've known this guy since 2006. He's as financially challenged in 2006 as he is today, has a credit score of 570, no credit, wants to hire me and no resources. I mean, I knew this guy in 2006. I mean, he's, he just, he's, he's living, he's, he's seen me speak in three different places that he's lived and he still is in the same financial situation as he was in 2006. And he was never able to have the resources to coach with me long-term, but he calls me up to, I mean, responds to an email today. It was amazing. So Jeffrey, you've overcome you step into uh, post-addiction, you build, you keep building, you try, you try again. At what point did you step into flow and alignment? And what does that look like even now? Because you said uh, very clear that you designed your life. What does that look like for you today after 30 plus years of doing what you've been doing? Well, it's, it, it's, it's, just, it's the zone. It's called the hands-free zone. But it's not, it doesn't mean that it just happens on command. It happens for me because I'm diligent. It means I, I didn't get comfortable with it. I didn't just I didn't just think I had learned it all. I was reading Stuart Wilde last night in bed with a little light on gods and gladiators. I mean it's like in, I, I, me personally I never stopped learning. I'm 66 years old. I still operate a seven figure business and people go, well why don't you retire? I go, well it's not it doesn't work like that. I mean it's <laughs> to retire in today's world you have to have you have to have the money, the resources. And I mean, it's, I mean, it, we are in those challenging times in world history and also some of the most opportune times in world history. So perception is your own reality. So what, it, what, it, what in the flow looks like the hands-free zone, it looks like being able to adapt and adjust to any situation from a non-attached state without personalizing it. It means being able to let go very quickly and find the solution. It means being able to continue to raise my value, offer the best service I can possibly offer to my clients, and continue to be and stay in a relaxed body one day at a time. I love that. Even at your age, I find it fascinating, encouraging, uh, something to look forward to, uh, that we're never done working on ourselves. With that being said, they just, they just, they just, they just pack it in many people. And then they just exist throughout their life. They're on medication. One of my clients told me today, this was amazing. He told me that 
he goes, I'm, he told me that he was drug free. I congratulate him. Then he told me what it meant. It means that there's no Adderall in San Diego, California. There isn't a pharmacy that is Adderall, if you can believe that. And that's what many people do. They stay medicated. They stay levitated, but they, they, but they aren't inspired and they stay in hmm. the state of overwhelm. Can you believe that? No Adderall. I mean, that's in, in San Diego, California. I mean, that was, that was, what, what a, and, the, and I, I was actually happy for this dude that he could actually have <laughs> the brain fog lifted for 30 days. That's fascinating. What is your encouragement right now for people that will listen to this, knowing that the world is upside down in a clown show uh, as uh, it's not ending and in, in life will happen with or without you or I. So what's your encouragement to people right now who are choosing uh, to take their life uh, to the next level and to audit themselves. All right, I have two minutes, so I'll give you this. All right, sure. so I'm a, I'm a down the rabbit hole conspiracy patriot. I ain't no novice. I've been studying since 1979 with the Warren Commission. I saw the I saw um, the Manchurian Candidate, the original, in one of the five cities that it aired in in 1979. I've been reading James Mars. I've been reading, I mean, I. I Fritz Springmeier, David Icke. I've been so. Here's what I'll tell you: with all the books that I own, with all the books that I've read, all the content I watch. I mean, there's a lot of trauma-based mind control. It's a cloak that's being put over us. Hmm. And so, if you are conscious and you are aware and you're a Christian and whatever you are, it's important that you do not get seduced by the satanic cabals. You do not get seduced by all the trickery that's out there and that you do your best to stay above courage you access because you're going to require courage all the time in the next in this next two five years wherever we're going your courage is going to be tested because they want you to give up they want you to give in they want you to be medicated they want you to eat bad food they want you to lower your vibration they want you to watch the super bowl they want you to watch the halftime show they want you to buy into the 33s and the threes and the brick walls. I'm going down the rabbit hole. Yes, sir. Brother. So that's what they want you to do. And you have to do your best to stay conscious and you can't get scared of it. You have to lean into it. You have to do your best to be your best one day at a time. I can't predict the future, but I can absolutely predict my day. My day is predictable. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to produce in a relaxed body. I'll take Satan on any fucking time he wants to take me on. I got nothing to fear. So you come after me, chief, because you just bring it on. Because I I know that and I can teach this to people that you have to rise above anxiety, fear and doubt, because anything below that, you are going to be affected. Your mind is going to be controlled. You're going to watch television. You're going to watch movies. You're going to watch sports and you're going to eat bad food. Mm. Jeffrey, where can everybody? I love it. Where can everybody find you? goldenmastermind.com. If you want to speak to me one-on-one, you can go to Facebook. It's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-C-O-M-B-S. You can send me a friend request. You can send me a 20, you can request a 20-minute coaching call. You can go to my website. You can request a 20-minute coaching call. You can find me. I'm on all media. I mean, you can find me YouTube, gotcha. Instagram. I mean, I've, I've been on social media since day one. I post 10, 15 times a day on all the social media sites. I'm easy to find. Last words of wisdom for anyone is like be and stay resourceful. I mean, it's like your your courage is going to be tested. Do your best to be your best one day at a time. Don't give in. Stay resourceful. And because you, you, we, we there's so many of us 
that are out there that we're a collective consciousness and our collective consciousness is what's important is that we come together in love and energy to do our best to, to turn our world around one day at a time. Jeffrey, it has been a privilege. Thank you so much for joining today. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Body My Time. This is Jeffrey Combs. I am your host, Chris McNelly, and we will catch you on the next one. Hold on to your butts. Remember to hit like, subscribe, and share with like-minded people. All prank those who deserve it as we grow this collective thought project. And for anyone offended by anything mentioned in this podcast, sucks to suck. We'll see you again.